Hello and welcome to the VBAC Home Birth Stories podcast. My name is Ashley Winning and I'm the founder of the Motherhood Circle and the creator of the Journey into Motherhood program. Are you wanting to learn more about vaginal birth after cesarean section and find your confidence to birth the way you feel is the best and safest for you and your baby? Spending too much time worrying about the what ifs and questioning if your body is capable of vaginal birth. Well, that's about to change. This podcast is for women wanting to learn about VBACs, especially home births, and for professionals who want to learn more about how to support VBAC women home birthing. Nothing is off the table. I invite you to connect with yourself, find your own voice and strength to create this pregnancy, birth and motherhood experience you desire. You totally deserve this. If we haven't met before, let me tell you a little bit about me. I'm a mother of two, I'm a doula, a motherhood guide, and have had two unplanned and unneeded cesarean sections. And I'm planning my first home and vaginal birth, so it'll be a home birth after two cesareans. I'm here to support you along your journey to discover and create your positive pregnancy, birth, and motherhood story. So feel free to reach out at any time if you want support. Now let's get started. Hey, it's me again. I wanted to let you know that I'll soon be opening my doors again to my online program, Journey into Motherhood. For pregnant and newborn mothers who want to feel calm, confident and connected in your journey into motherhood, you'll have access to me as your doula to support you in your journey along with other like-minded mothers. And I will support you to be your own advocate, help you birth on your terms and create the postpartum of your dreams. But spaces are limited so I can keep the circle safe and support you in the way you deserve and need. So contact me today to find out more. Hey, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You're only six weeks postpartum, so thank you very much for jumping on. I'm really excited to hear your birth stories. Um, I think you shared in our group a little bit about your birth stories, but I am really excited to hear it from, you know, you today. So thank you very much for jumping on. Please share a little bit about yourself. So my name's Rachel, as you know. Um, I'm a wife, um, mother of two, and I'm also a midwife. Oh, awesome. I did uh, I did just see that. So I love that you're actually midwife because we've actually got quite a few midwives in our group who are, you know, looking at having VBAC home births as well. So, yeah. you know, it'll be interesting to hear your insight as you tell your story, you know, yeah. as a midwife as well as a, a mother. Mm-hmm. So let's get started at your first pregnancy. Yep. Um, so my first pregnancy, um, that was with my daughter, Charlotte. She's now three. Um, she... This baby's just going to keep going on. <laughs> um, so That's she's okay. Now, we love babies. <laughs> so she's three now. Um, now she's she was born in uh, April of 2018 and I booked um, in through my local hospital um, and I went through GP shared care. So I didn't see um, a midwife at all during my pregnancy. Um, I wasn't a midwife myself. I was a nurse um, at another hospital and I would go to most of my appointments at my GP and then when I was 20 weeks I saw one obstetrician um, and then I didn't go back to the hospital until I actually um, birthed my baby. Okay so how were you feeling during your pregnancy? Were you well? What were you kind of thinking or expecting with birth? Had anyone spoken to you about birth or 
what were your plans and feelings, you know, what kind of yeah. mindset were you in with it all? Um, so, you know, just coming from sort of a nursing background, I didn't really know what about pregnancy in itself. Um, I only kind of knew what, um, you know, friends or family have really spoken about pregnancy and birth. Um, but I did kind of expect my birth to go sort of more along the lines of natural birth, like similar to my mum. My mum didn't have any pain really for anything like that and birthed her three babies, including myself, naturally. So I kind of expected it to go a bit along those lines. Um, With my appointments, with my GP, so my mum actually introduced myself to the GP. Um, I hadn't seen her before, um, but my mum had seen her um, and knew that she did GP show care. Um, when I had seen the GP, you know, she was lovely. She did all my um, appointments and I had no dramas. Um, I just didn't get that um, education through through the, the GP that now, looking back at, I feel that I, I could have or should have had. Yeah, really common story when it comes to, you know, being pregnant for the first time and, and going through any sort of care most of the time unless you're with, like, a private midwife or something. Yeah. So you pr- had a pretty healthy pregnancy. You're a healthy individual yourself. Yeah, you had no um, complications. I did have hyperemesis. So I was quite sick um, pretty much um, right up until I had um, my daughter at 38 weeks. Um, it started, I think I was about four, no, I would have been about six weeks. So I think I'd just you know, gone for my first dating scan. And from then I was so sick. Um, I couldn't, could hardly leave the house. Um, in the first couple of weeks, I took a whole lot of leave off work um, and I was just vomiting constantly. Um, I couldn't hold down any food. I lost about 10 kilos. Um, so that was quite significant. And then I'd, um, uh, from then I'd just kind of muster up the courage to go to work. And luckily I didn't, I mean, I didn't work in um, maternity services, but I had um, some friends um, like doctors and things like that, that were able to put me on drips during breaks because I was just so sick um, and yeah, give me some medicine to kind of help me continue through my work because it just wasn't feasible to kind of take that time off. Um, So it was, it was quite horrible. I'd be driving to work with a bucket between my legs, that sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, work was actually quite nice about it. So I was, yeah, so I was still able to work. Um, but that's pretty much the only thing that was really complicated during the pregnancy. I was very lucky. I didn't have any high blood pressure or anything like that, just the vomiting. Um, but it did kind of, um, make me mentally feel very unwell, Mm. um, as, as well. So I, um, in those early weeks, I was considering termination, Mm. Um, because I just couldn't, I just couldn't handle it. And it's not what I didn't, you know, envisaged, um, my mum, cause I was living with my mum and my, my, um, boyfriend at the time. Um, and, um, uh, my mum couldn't understand why I was so sick because it never happened to her. So it, it was, I felt a lot of, um, guilt and a bit of pressure on me in that sense. Mm. 
was, yeah, it wasn't very fun. No, so I'll, it's I'll such admit- a challenge as well, Rachel, because yeah, yeah. I had HD with all my three pregnancies, but yeah. it lasted only to 20 weeks, thankfully, but still yeah. that's a long time yeah. to yeah. be that sick. And it's really hard to communicate to other people just how horrible it feels and you can't well, I personally felt really weak and mm-hmm. like as if there was something wrong with me because everyone around me had had like these perfect pregnancies really easy going my mum had been sick once out of four pregnancies for like one one time yeah and it was like I was you know stuck on the it's really hard so I like to talk about HD because it's kind of one of those things that people don't understand just how debilitating it is and mm-hmm. I had similar feelings. I didn't think about abortion, but I was thinking um, if this baby, if I lose this baby at at certain points, if I lose this baby, then that's okay. And then I'm never having another baby again because it was just Mm -hmm. so debilitating and so horrible as you you yourself know. So I'm really glad that you were, you know, in a workplace that was supporting and of you and, and actually could give you some sort of relief and some sort of help. Yeah. While you had to trudge on and, you know, continue going to work, which, you know, is a bigger burden, isn't it? Having to, yeah. you know, continue on. That's right. Like I worked oh, I worked in the area of um hemodialysis. So um which is, you know, you're kind of you're putting patients on machines and things like that and basically in between putting them on these machines, like my patients on these machines, I was going and vomiting in the, you know, in the bathroom or I'd carry vomit bags in my pocket so I could just be sick. Um, so it was, it was quite horrible. And I'd be able to sit down between, um, between patients and that sort of stuff. So I did have some really good workmates that were able to help me through. it. That sounds good. So you're roughly about 20 weeks. You've seen an ob- obstetrician and how did that appointment go? Um. Uh, it was very basic from what I remember. Um, the obstetrician just said, um, oh, you know, how are you, how are you going with the vomiting? Um, at that time I was uh, still on Maxilon and on Danzatron um, and it was just getting me by. Um, yeah, they kind of did the whole, oh, you know, make sure you have some some ginger and things like that, um, you know, try and maybe you should consider not working so much and taking some rest and um, and things like that. So it, it, although the appointment was okay, it didn't feel really, um, I didn't get much out of it really. Um, and then because it wasn't a known, um, known uh, you know, doctor to me, um, and then they mentioned that my last, so I had a morphology before I went for that appointment and they had told me that um, my baby was um, 98th percentile. So that's um, quite big um, in, in those um, terms. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so they were just kind of telling me to, um, to monitor that and they, and they had, um, suggested that maybe I go for another scan um, uh, but that was then they put that ball in that court for my GP um, and then that was it I just went along my 
my day and I um I just continued seeing um my GP after that okay well that sounds pretty low-key really compared to some of the other stories that we hear on the podcast yeah yeah. so you were obviously low risk you were low b you know healthy BMI yeah um no other risk factors or anything so they kind of just like left let you be with your shared care and yeah were you worried about this, you know, 98th percentile bigger baby or how was your mindset? Were you just kind of plodding, plodding along, trying to, you know, um, cope with the HD and work? And Yeah, and it didn't really, it, um, it didn't really cross my mind. I knew that I was lo- like quite large, but um, apart from that, that um, one comment from that one doctor, no one had made any comments. Um, my GP was saying that my fundal height, so the measurements that they take, was measuring on point. So I wasn't measuring too big in that way. Um, so they weren't overly concerned. And I didn't, yeah, I didn't have any further scans after that. So obviously they weren't worried. And myself, I had no idea. I wasn't, I wasn't worried at all. Like you said, I was more focused on, on keeping food down and, and <laughs> keeping myself alive. Mm, yeah. So what kind of happened next then or you know mm. did you go into spontaneous labor yeah so um come so i was 38 weeks and two days um i had it was early early hours of the morning i think it was about one o'clock and i started to get some uh some cramps um so that's when it kind of started um it I was able to go back to sleep and I woke up at about six o'clock in the morning and I actually thought my the local hospital's birthing unit and just said to them, I, look, I think my waters are broken. Um, what do I do? Um, you know, I was in, I was, I was in early labor. I would say I was, was having some, um, some small contractions um, and they just suggested for me to, to come on in just to have some monitoring. So think then I hadn't even packed a hospital bag so I was kind of packing it as I was going and it took us about from calling to getting into hospital about an hour so I turned up to the hospital I'd had some monitoring and then they did um, a test so some hospitals um, they um, they do like what what we call in my I work in Acton Prom so testing to see if your waters have broken by popping into the, that duckbill um, speculum and swabbing inside your vagina. Um, and they had said that, no, your waters haven't broken. Um, you're not even dilated. Um, go home. Um, here's some Panadine Fort. Um, have a bath and relax. So I did exactly that. Um, but mind you, it was, I was waiting in the hospital for a good <laughs> couple of hours um, had the panine fort and then went home um, and did what they said and I jumped in the bath and I was able to have a bath for maybe about half hour, an hour, and then I just couldn't take it anymore. I, the pains were just coming so um, frequently and very strong and I had basically screamed at my boyfriend um, to take me to the hospital because I knew that I was you know, I, I felt like I had progressed at that stage. Um, so what we did was um, I called them back up for the hospital and they just said, okay, come on in. I said, okay, 
plod along. We went and I jumped in the car and at this stage, looking back on it, I was very transitional when I was in the car. I couldn't sit. I couldn't pop on a seatbelt. I just was so, um, yeah, I was just like in the, in that moment, um, you, you couldn't tell me, I couldn't, I can't remember what else was going around me. I just remember my, my partner telling me to put my seatbelt on and we were, we'd gone to the hospital. Um, we got there and um, headed straight up to the birthing unit and I was greeted by midwives just standing all around the desk, kind of looking at me going, oh, he's this first time mum, doesn't know what she's doing. She's probably not in labour, um, just kind of giving me that look. And I um, was I was taken to one of the assessment rooms and I was um, told to wait in there and they came in eventually and popped the monitor on me and checked baby. Um, and as soon as I had that monitor off, I was pacing up and down that corridor, up and down, up and down. And one of the midwives came along and said, okay, look, you know, obviously you can't sit still, so we'll pop you into one of the birthing rooms um, and we'll see how, if you progress, are you happy for an examination, um, a VE? And I said, yeah, okay. Um, I just agreed to it. Obviously, transitional, I had no idea. And um, they popped me into the birthing room, jumped up onto the bed, and I felt like the midwife was taking forever. <laughs> Um, to do the examination and she examined me and I was eight centimeters so I had very quick I would say a very quick first time Mm. Um, you dilated really quickly in that time yeah Mm. yeah yeah. um yeah so from then uh she suggested I kind of um you know get up do my own thing so I wasn't made to stay on the bed or anything um and I was walking around and I remember want, just wanting to sit on the toilet um, all the time, wanting to push. I just felt that 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 pressure down there, just wanting to push. Um, I kept thinking to myself, I'm going to do a poo. <laughs> That's the feeling that I was getting. And um, they were using the, the handheld um, Doppler, so checking baby. I um, was constantly getting that that pressure I remember walking over to the bed um and I said to them I'm pushing I need to push I'm pushing and I just kept pushing and they said just go with your body and I said okay so I was just going with my body and pushing um broke when I was pushing um they said okay jump up onto the bed they wanted to check me again to see I'm guessing maybe caught for you know prolapse cord so cord falling down through my vagina or something like that I'm not entirely sure so I jumped up onto the bed and um, they assessed me and they said look you've got what they call an anterior lip so it's just a little bit of the cervix at the top um, that hadn't gone away so they just said just keep um, doing what you're doing I at this stage once I was already on the bed I just didn't want to get off the bed And I just remember rolling around the bed um, in so much pain. I'd um, then I, the next thing I kind of remember was um, them saying that they needed to quote push the lip. So trying to help. um, So they were going to pop their fingers into my vagina and try and push that cervix away. Um, 
I remember the midwife doing that and then um, I was I had started I was still pushing by this stage but I was I was pushing more um, and I was being like that coach pushing that they do so I was being coached to push um, and the eventually the cervix um, they said had swollen and then the next minute I remember them saying it had disappeared. So I'm not entirely sure what happened there. Um, and then I just remember pushing for so long. So looking back on my paperwork now, my second stage to so that pushing stage um, was actually five and a half hours. So was your baby up, up high and um, in a uh, posterior position? Baby was, yeah, baby was posterior, but they said baby was basically just there oh okay so, um i it's, it's kind of hard to explain because i've found out a lot of things after the fact but basically um they they had thought they never kind of once i don't remember them they didn't check with an ultrasound or anything like that to check positioning um but they had um, said that baby was just there and I just needed to push and I need to push harder and I was trying to push but I couldn't I just kept saying so I am pushing but nothing was sort of eventuating so I remember them calling the doctor in and the doctor did examination and said okay we're going to have to do a vacuum so I said okay whatever is going to help my baby come into the world um, I just kind of get, put the ball in their court and they to help me and they popped the um, vacuum onto baby's head and the pain that I felt I will never forget it was like a bone on bone sort of feeling um, and baby just wasn't coming so um, they had um, where was I up to oh, so they took so they basically took me down to um, down to theatre um, after they realised baby wasn't coming with the vacuum I think they pulled three times um and then sent me down so um they can I got consented for a uh, cesarean um or forceps but we went down and the um like the head obstetrician was the one who kind of made the that call and then baby was delivered via c-section because they realized that the forceps um it wasn't going to happen with the forceps. So anyways, they pulled pulled her out. Um, um, oh, between then, I had an, I had had an epidural um, popped in in theatre. So up until that point, I had no pain relief. I wasn't using the gas. Um, like I didn't have an epidural, no morphine or anything. Um, and I was um, they yeah they pulled her out and they'd. <clears throat> She was fine. She was good. She was crying. Um, and then I was stitched up and I went to, um, went to recovery without her. She went up with, with, um, dad and I'd, um, waited in recovery for a couple of hours and then was met with a crying baby in the maternity ward. The following day, I remember, um, that same doctor. So she was, um, uh, I wouldn't say a junior doctor, but probably um, a, a registrar. Um, and she had come to me and apologised for using the um, the vacuum um, and basically explained to me as much as she could um, that 
she had popped baby the um, vacuum on incorrectly. So what had happened was baby was actually posterior, um, so back on my back, and baby's head was actually um, presenting. So the, the part that was coming out my vagina was actually um, the top of, so not the top of her head, but more towards her forehead. So it wasn't quite what they call a brow presentation, but was more so um, at that hairline. So she was, had she basically had her neck um, uh, tilted or what we call um, deflexed um, posterior. So very awkward position and not entirely suitable for, for vaginal birth. Um, and they just, she just um, had pulled, um, not realizing where the cup was um, positioned on baby's head. And yeah, that was it. So my beautiful newborn baby, Charlotte, had a lovely unicorn horn on her head that was very, very, very bruised. Um, but it was lovely of her to come and apologize. So I did, I did really appreciate um, that. But at the, that point in time, I wasn't quite understanding why my baby didn't come vaginally. Like I, to me, it just didn't make any sense. Like baby's there, it should just come out. So that was my, you know, as a, as a nurse, I didn't, I, it wasn't going through my head as to why, why that had happened. Um, but then obviously since, since having studied um, further and done my midwifery training, I, I, it made more sense to me. What, what kind of conclusion did you come to after your midwifery training? Because I'm, I'm really interested in this because yeah. I had a very similar um, situation except for there was no support there. And yeah. I came to the conclusion after doing my research that, you know, it, there's too much value to wait and just sit, you know, with the coach pushing that you received and that sort of yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah. you know, obviously your body was doing what it needed to do. Um, yeah. So what did you come to the conclusion with after your training and, you know, time to consider yeah um so I was very lucky um in a sense that after that birth I'd kind of gone I need to get to the bottom of this that's just how I felt I just had this overwhelming overwhelming desire to kind of find out what goes on behind the scenes so that's kind of what drove me to midwifery um I did find the whole you know that all very interesting pregnancy and the like. Um, so I basically had found out that through my, you know, training that I probably should have been just left alone. Um, now easier said than done, but I think that they just didn't um, either correctly palp me or, you know check my belly or something like that to realize that baby was facing the wrong way um, and that maybe they could have um, encouraged me to kind of go on all fours um, during pushing or something like that um, to kind of help rotate that baby um, to kind of then to be able to come out um, that's kind of what I've what I've put through my head um I do unlike maybe some of the other women in the podcast I kind of feel like my cesarean was justified because at that possibly even prior to them trying the, the vacuum that baby probably wasn't going to come out my vagina that's just how I had um 
had kind of, yeah, kind of um, thought about it really. Did you have any, well, thanks for explaining that. It's always nice to hear, you know, how the woman feels and, you know, after the time is settled and then, you know, you've gone on to done, you know, do some midwifery training too. Did you have any tearing or anything like that from them doing the forceps or vacuum? No, I was very, I was very lucky um, in in that sense. Um, I do remember them giving me the local, um, so that numbing needle um, into my vagina. Um, but um, that was at that point the consultant had stepped in and said, "I think we need to take this down to theatre." Um, so I guess that was kind of very like lucky. Um, but. Um, yeah, so it, that that was yeah that was very lucky. But I w- want to mention that I after after having had the like my cesarean, I did um, end up with um, postnatal depression because I had felt kind of like I'd failed, and you get a lot of that you know that wording in hospital you know whenever they came around to do their handovers was like um you know failure to progress and this and that so that kind of really stuck in my head and I was very very upset that I couldn't have a vaginal birth and you know how come I couldn't do it and um you know my mum could do it and my grandmother could have vaginal birth what what was wrong with me um that's just that's just how I I I felt at that stage yeah, and I think that's a really common kind of experience from talking to ladies on the podcast and also myself. Um, just a, a thing, isn't it, that, you know, some of us experience. So you went on to, you had your baby and then you struggled with P&D and, and how did that journey go and how did your breastfeeding, if you chose to breastfeed, how did that all go with your baby, your bonding and everything? Um, so I had... Um I'd when I was in hospital I was breastfeeding um Charlotte I'd um I was getting really really sore cracked nipples um and I had the midwives come over and have a look and they had all said it was fine and that my that my my nipples were just toughening up and baby looked you know like attaching fine and this and that but I couldn't understand why my nipples were still getting really sore and they eventually were bleeding and and um, quite scabby. Um, I had one midwife come along and say, look, your baby's got a tongue tie. And I said, oh, okay. So then I'd, um, I had breastfed. I had um, breastfed Charlotte, but it uh, wasn't until um, she was actually, so jump, jumping kind of back a bit, she'd um, at 48 hours of age, she had been sent to special care nursery um, because she just, was unresponsive so they had deemed that for whatever reason they thought it could have been sepsis um I think baby's heart rate was very high um and yeah so they she was very kind of pale and she looked horrible and they'd sent her sent her there um for some monitoring and that's when they did the tie release and that sort of stuff at 72 hours of age but that that whole scenario so um had also kind of um 
added to that postnatal depression. But I, um, when I'd gone home, um, we we're finally able to go home um, at, um, she was about a week old. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I was still still breastfeeding um, and we'd spent one night at home and then we ended up back in hospital with me for endometritis. So I had an infection in my uterus. So mm-hmm. we spent another four days there. And then we'd gone back um, back home and I was, I was breastfeeding. She was very, very upset, very, um, very whingy at the breast, would um, kind of pull back and scream and cry. And I just I didn't know what was going on with my baby. Um, at that time, like I said, I was living home with my mum and my mum had said, you just don't have any milk. And... I couldn't understand that because I could see my milk when I was having a letdown squirt out all over her face. So I couldn't understand how my, how I couldn't have any milk. Um, so my mom had then said, here, here's a bottle. So that's when it kind of started. Um, so we were maybe only a couple weeks old, four weeks at the most, I think when she started on the bottle, but I had continued to breastfeed um, I just, I think I'd kind of give the occasional top up. Um, and um, by six weeks of age, I just had enough um, because she was still very whingy at the breast, never wanted to go down for a sleep, was always on my chest um, or my partner's chest and my mum's chest. Um, very, just very unsettled baby. Um, and went back to my GP and she said, she's got reflux. Um, so that kind of made a lot more sense. And we had gotten her onto some medication and that had completely settled the reflux. She was a completely different baby, although she'd never liked sleeping. Um, that kind of helped it. But I was able to continue breastfeeding right up until she was about a year old. But she definitely did have those bottles in between. Well done to continue breastfeeding for so long. And um, I'm glad that, you know, she got the help. And did you speak to the GP about how you were feeling about your P&D or? I did. I did. um, I did um, just say to her, look, I just, uh, this is all a bit too much. Um, And she had, I, I remember speaking to her in pregnancy about how I was feeling about the pregnancy with the sickness. Um, and so she already knew that I was having um, a lot of like horrible um, thoughts and my mental health wasn't fantastic. Um, so that was then when um, she kind of upped, um, upped my medication um, at that stage because I had I'd started taking um, medication um, actually prior to having having um charlotte um so i had already had like existing um problems but um it was yeah so it was it was nice to have had someone that understood my situation at that stage um and yeah so she she was um uh quite quite a a good support there um and i was lucky to have family that were around me um that's good and how, how big was Charlotte when she was born? She was actually 4.2 kilo. 4.2 yeah, kilos. So quite large. At 38 weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. plus two, yeah. yeah. So she was a nice, decent size. And yeah. uh, I suppose those scans were, you know, 
pretty close to what they were indicating. Did you end up getting any more growth scans or was it just a 20 weeker? Just the 20 weeks. Yeah. 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 So you've got Charlotte and then, you know, the years are going by and then you fall pregnant again. Was that something you'd planned? Yeah. So Charlotte's wasn't planned, but Alfie's definitely was, um, was planned. Although we didn't expect to fall pregnant so soon. Yeah. Um, so he, so, um, I basically, I was after Charlotte six weeks, um, seen the GP, got referred, um, to, um, one of the local, um, doctors that, um, did, um, like Implanon insert, um, not, uh, not, sorry, Implanon, the Marina. So I had the Marina inserted, um, and that was quite effective. And then, um, I had that removed and, uh, like during, a, I think it was towards the end of a, a period or during a period, I can't remember now. Um, and then I basically, before I could even get another period, I fell pregnant with Alfie. So very, very quick. I didn't expect that to happen at all. Um, and yeah, so he was, he was definitely, definitely a planned baby in comparison. So, um, I was feeling a lot more, uh, mentally well, um, in the lead up to his, um, in the lead up to conceiving him, um, and after that too. So that was, that was nice. Um, did you get sick with Alfie when you were pregnant? Did you um, have HD with this pregnancy? Um, I was I was sick. I didn't have it as bad. Um, I was still able to go to work, but I didn't kind of need um, all that uh, extra fluid or anything like that. I did take on Danzatron, so the wafers that you pop under your tongue um, as a kind of precaution just in case, um, but... No, I felt I felt a lot um, better. I think come by, mm, I would say about twenty weeks, but then I kind of did get the occasional vomit or nausea episode here and there um, up until I would say about thirty weeks, um, and then after that, I I felt good. I didn't feel any nausea or vomiting or anything like that after that. It was more. Um, uh, with Alfie's pregnancy, the thing that really affected me the most was that symphysis pubis dysfunction. So some mm. women get that that pelvic pain, um, and I and I really did have that quite severe uh, from about uh, twenty weeks. Actually, I won't say severe; it was quite moderate because some people can be quite debilitated by it. But um, from about twenty weeks, I did have a lot of pain there. Yeah, and um, I guess we kind of um, brushed over the fact that you in between this time you had studied midwifery and, you know, were you deciding like, I want to have a VBAC or I want to have a repeat surgery, uh, you know, a C-section, what was kind of your mindset in between that time frame? Um, So immediately after Charlotte's birth, I wanted to have a vaginal birth. I didn't know if it was, thing if you could have a vaginal birth after a cesarean I just knew that I wanted to have a vaginal birth um but it didn't really set in stone until I actually was at um uni and I met Hazel Keedle yes I know Hazel yeah we yeah. had her on the podcast yeah yeah that's right so I um, met her she was um, one of my um tutors for one of my classes oh, and awesome was we we're doing um 
you know, we spoke a lot about her research and things like that. And I really got into uh, reading a lot of her research papers. Um, and that, that really set it in stone for me was like, I can, I can have a VBAC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure she was very inspiring as well yeah. and had a lot of information to share. <laughs> yeah. 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 So she, um, I did have a chat with her, um, personally after class and things like that and spoke about my situation and what I wanted to achieve. And she was, you know, all for it. And she said, yeah, why not go for it? (laughs) So exactly took her advice. (laughs) Um, and so when you were pregnant, were you, did you let us know, you know, what, what happened at that point? Were you going with the GP or had you already known you were going to go home birth before you fell pregnant? Um, so, um, so in between kind of studying, um, I had met one of um, the student midwives. So she was actually doing her bachelor of um, midwifery at work. So I actually work where I gave birth to my daughter. Um, so I work there now as a midwife and I, um, met, uh, Jen. So she had, um, discussed with me, um, that she was actually a student midwife for, uh, one of the, um, home birthing midwives, uh, down in Wollongong. Um, and that period I'd moved from, um, from my current hospital, um, uh, like area like I was living around there um down um past Wollongong and I'd um yeah I'd uh, been having um a chat with her and I said to her the midwife that you happen to work with does she do home birth feedbacks is that even a thing and she goes yeah she's she's done a few um you know when you decide to have a you know a um a ba- another baby maybe we could get you in contact with her blah 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 so that's kind of what um, kind of made me think maybe having a, you know, VBAC home birth was, um, you know, something that I could do or even just having a chat with this midwife um, um, about about it. So I kind of put it at the back of my mind, um, but I definitely, that was something what I was, uh, I was thinking of um, when I was to have another baby. Um, and, yeah, so I just basically um was just before I think I had the marina removed I had emailed um that particular midwife Louise um and I just said to her hey I'm thinking of having a baby sometime soon I just wanted to double check you're still comfortable to um take feedbacks um and she just she basically got back to me pretty much straight away and said yep um more than happy to look after you because I gave her a bit of a rundown of my story. Um, and she said, just hit me up when you're pregnant. I basically just, um, you know, did that pregnancy test and I'd found out I was pregnant. And so I had, um, yeah, I just messaged her straight away and I said, look, I'm pregnant. Um, and I'm thinking about having a home birth be back. Can we have a chat sometime? And yeah, that was pretty much what, what we did um, was uh, we have a chat, um, but I was still trying to convince my partner to go for um, for a home birth as well. So that was that was very um, interesting. Um, I had also at that stage I'd, I'd um, 
so I was about um, four to six weeks then. I'd seen um, my GP, so I had a different GP at this stage, being um, further, further south of Wollongong. I'd um, uh, had my bloods done and then I had decided that what I would do is I would contact a local hospital and see if I could get into MGP in case um, in case it didn't work out with um, with home birth for whatever reason, um, you know, financially or I couldn't convince my partner or anything like that. So um, I linked in with MGP. Um, obviously, I didn't really have much to do with sort of anyone until um, about... 10 weeks and I had um, a harmony test. Um, so that's that blood test that checks for any chromosomal um, abnormalities um, and gender and things like that. So that's when I had had that test done. Um, and then I went because I didn't have the nuchal translucency. So that 13 week scan where they measure the, um, the amount of uh, centimeters of the baby, the back, baby's neck I had um what was called an early morphology so just make sure baby looks okay um through an ultrasound and then what I did was I went um back to the GP um and got a referral to uh, Louise so I kind of was in two sort of I was I wasn't quite sure whether I was going to go home birth or whether I was going to go um, with MGP through through the local hospital. So, was, how many weeks were you at this point in time? This stage, I was probably about fourteen weeks. Oh, so you had but a I you had did the morphology scan at fourteen weeks. It was they what they call an early morphology. So it's oh. not really the morphology scan, as sure. they kind of check to make sure that baby's got, you know, that baby's got a bit of everything. I I don't know. Sure, <laughs> I'm okay. just happy to do that. Um, and um, so I had that done and I'd, um, so I was accepted into MGP um, quite early and I just wasn't sure what I wanted to, where I wanted to go or have my baby. Um, I, like inside me, I knew I just, I wanted to have this um, home birth with um, Louise, private midwife, but I just wasn't sure if I could financially do it or if I could get um, my husband um, on board. Um, and so um, after lots of uh, talking, so I think a lot of women, um, you know, with the VBAC um, podcast, like the Home Birth podcast, would probably um, that might be something that they find very hard is to try and get their husbands on board. Um, and, I, you know, I, I did find it very hard. Um, and we just you know, he kind of just said, okay, well, if that's something you really want to do, um, then we'll, then we'll do it. And um, he's, what were his biggest concerns? Because at this point in time, you were a qualified midwife and you'd been a nurse for X amount of time as well. Yeah. So in that sense, um, did, did that help you persuade him at all? Or what was his most, like his main concerns? Was it a, the previous birth financial or? It was a bit of everything really. Um, financial because we we just moved into a new house and we still haven't you know hadn't quite finished uh, things like landscaping things like that so there were 
his concerns was there was other kind of priorities, mm. um, you know, going to hospitals free. Um, mm. that, um, and he just didn't want something horrible to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, he just didn't want a repeat of the first birth. He just didn't want that because um, he did himself um, feel very traumatised, mm. he will say, um, from that first birth So and having witnessed all that. So, so he, he eventually came to the party. Yeah, we did. We did. Um, I, would, I would say he didn't come 100% until he actually met Louise. So having had met her and um, being able to kind of have that connection, like he, for him to have that connection with the private midwife as well, he felt reassured that we were doing the right thing. So that was nice. I do think it's really important that the man or the partner can be involved in as much as possible. Like even if they're unwilling to like sit down and read a book, you know, that we're constantly talking to them so that sharing information and knowledge, because once they can kind of understand things and when they get involved and they get to be part of the journey, I feel that they're kind of included and it feels because it's really hard for them to kind of connect because they're not carrying a baby. My husband says it all the time. Well, you're the one who's pregnant. I don't really know. I don't, you know, they don't have any sort of um, of the same sort of feelings as we do because we're going through yeah. everything ourselves. Yeah. And it's so interesting for them. Um, so, yeah, it is an interesting one because I know that, you know, a lot of women wanting to have home births, you know, having that partner come on board is a bit of a challenge sometimes for some people. Yeah, so I definitely did find that quite challenging, um, but I was kind of glad that we came to that kind of conclusion that it was good for the both of us and, and you know, giving, you know, we'd, con- we'd conceived him at the start of COVID basically. Um, I, I was also able to kind of say to him, hey, like I don't have to track Charlotte with me to the local hospital for our appointments. Um, even some stages they weren't even allowing children into the hospitals for the antenatal appointments. So I just, that was one kind of, you know, tick in my, in my, you know, in my court there that I was able to, to get through. Um, and um, I just kind of gave him a whole lot of evidence as well about, um, about, um, home birthing and you know um, uh, continuity of care and all the all the good stuff um, and able to kind of show him that there are increased um, uh, you know amount of satisfaction with home birth and and that um, particularly for women with VBACs and, and being able to achieve it um, you know more likely to achieve a, a VBAC um, having had home birth with a with a private midwife for um, continuity of care. And interesting enough, I just wanted to say this one because I was thinking about it earlier today, that a, v, a woman going and planning for a VBAC actually has a higher chance of having a vaginal birth than a first-time mum. Yeah. How interesting is that? Yeah, I know. I think I've read that somewhere too, and I just uh, – it, it, it's scary, really. Mm. And it just goes to show the power of continuity of midwifery care. Yeah. It really does. Definitely. So you've engaged Louise at some point and, mm-hmm. you know, you're continuing with your care with Louise and how did that kind of go? And 
you know, how was your mindset and were you, did you have any fear? You know, what was keeping you going and, and uh, let's share what was happening in that, yeah. in that time. So, um, my bit, you know, my appointments with Louise were great. Um, she was such a great support. Not once did she, um, kind of doubt my ability. So that was really great. Um, I also remember, uh, just before I'd mentioned Jen, a student midwife, um, that I met at work, um, she had actually taken me on board, um, you know, as one of her um, continuity of care women. So she became my student midwife as well. So she was at my appointments too. So that was really good. Um, so I was able to have the two, um, you know, you know, that the ultimate duo basically um, that, that, that were really, uh, you know, kind of, um, what's the word, supportive of me through my, through my, um, through my pregnancy. Um, every time I went to work, um, and I came across maybe a situation similar to mine. So maybe a lady that's, um, you know, going for a VBAC or whatnot. Um, um, and if it, you know, didn't turn out, you know, that she was having a vaginal birth, it made me kind of doubt myself. Um, also I had, you know, some of my colleagues, um, you know, having had asked me questions like, where are you having your baby, things like that. And I just wanted to be straight out there. And I said, yeah, I'm planning on a home birth. So a lot of them were, uh, not that they probably thought they were doing it, but they were putting little seeds of doubt in my mind because um, they had said, oh, that's that's risky or that's um, quite, you know, that's dangerous or they um, they would use those terms um, and it did kind of make me rethink um, and, or if I'd, or if something had happened at work, like maybe a lady had a, quite a large postpartum hemorrhage or maybe a shoulder shoulder dystocia or something like that um it yeah would set me back a couple of steps but I'd check in with Louise um and and Jen and I'd say look um you know give me a pep talk or I'd um see them at my appointment and they were able to say no 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 you can do this and I did have uh, as well as some, you know, some colleagues as well that were really, really um, supportive that would would check in with me and say, no, you can do this too. So I did have, I did have a lot of support around me um, in that sense. What an interesting situation you're in because we talk yeah. about protecting our bubble, but your workplace is birth. Yes. And you knew at this and you're surrounded by people who have probably been doing it longer and uh, you've just come off like learning from really great lecturers who are talking about birth, but then maybe not seeing exactly the same in the yeah. hospital setting. Yeah. And then you're able to, you know, connect with your, your midwives and kind of go through that fear, you know, and that happens. I, I had the same experience, you know, when I saw birth stories in the VBAC group or any home birth group and something happened, I thought, mm-hmm. Oh God, I've got to research that now. You know, what if that happens to me? And I think a lot of us go through that. Um, but you're physically seeing it and you're, you know, you're living in it, in it. So yeah, well done for you for working through that and having that support with your, you know, your midwives and uh, Mm -hmm. working through that and staying strong. 
Yeah, it definitely definitely wasn't easy. Um, but I had made what I would think was quite a good decision. I think I was I was thirty odd weeks when I approached my boss and I just said, "Look, um, I really don't want to be doing any more shifts in birthing unit because of the certain things that I was seeing was kind of impacting me." So I was able to to do some shifts elsewhere, maybe down in the clinic or on on the ward, uh, so the postnatal, antenatal ward. Um, and so I wasn't actually in that kind of emergency sort of situation. Um, so that kind of made me feel good um, in this, you know, in in myself. So being able to kind of push away that those negative thoughts. Um, and yeah, so that was really nice of them to give have given me that opportunity to to kind of move out of that situation. Plus, I got quite quite large um, and tired and things like that. I think you did very well to make it to thirty weeks still working yeah. in the practical side. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was good that you got moved to a different area and you were able to sit down a little bit and you know to even work up to that point is amazing. To be fair, yeah. especially with HD. Yeah, yeah. So it was good. I did work up until 36 weeks um, uh, with Alfie. Um, I can, do you want me to talk a bit more about the, um, from now about the birth and that sort of stuff? Yeah, definitely. Let us know about, you know, um, when you went into labor and, and how that all transpired, uh, how that all happened. Yeah. No worries. So, um, so with, uh, so I'll go back. So I had the morphology um, that looked all good. Um, the ultrasound technician, who is also, um, she's also a trained obstetrician, she had said to me, um, she actually pulled me aside and said, do you know your baby is huge? And I said, that doesn't surprise me given my last baby. And she goes, okay, I just recommend you keep keep coming and doing some scans um and I said okay no dramas whatever I just kind of shoved it off um I I knew I was going to have another big baby so I went um I'd uh gone back to Louise had my appointments and I you know um my again my funnel hearts are measuring on point I had um I guess I felt uh, yes, I felt big, but I didn't feel big. Uh, I wouldn't say great, uh, huge. Maybe I didn't feel a great deal bigger than than I did with Charlotte. So I wasn't too concerned. Um, and so uh, come 36 weeks, Louise had said, um, do you want to have another scan? And I said, no, I don't. So I again, I had um, just a dating scan um uh, an early morphology so that was at four a scan at 14 weeks um my 20 week morphology and that was it I didn't have any more scans um so 36 weeks um I had some bloods done um and um I had um stopped work so that all my bloods looked good at that stage um I was taking iron tablets uh, for low iron, but they had picked up, and um, I just started kind of trying to, from then on, nest and 
kind of get myself prepped and ready because I was 100% sure that I was going to have a baby in the next two weeks, given I had my first baby at 38 weeks. Um, so I'd kind of um, come 38 weeks, I uh, was expecting a baby to come and then 38 weeks went you know, went by and I was 39 weeks and um, I was having kind of between 38 weeks and having Alfie, I was having like prodromal labour, so false labour they call it, um, where I basically think I was in labour. It felt like labour until it kind of just stopped and went nowhere. So I was having that for about two weeks before Alfie was born. So it was 38 to 39 weeks. So th- my 39-week appointment, I said to Louise, um, can we do a stretch and sweep and see if that's going to kick things off? So at, up until that point, I was totally against any sort of VEs or um, forms of, because I know that's a form of induction. I, I just, you know, I was totally against it. But having had that prodromal labour for that whole week, I was just... I was exhausted and I just thought if this is going to help me get there um, then why not I'd tried everything um, you know dates and walking and sex and everything you can think of I tried it um, at that stage Um, so she did do the stretch and sweep Um, she found that it was um, kind of uh, but I think she said about four centimetres or something like that. Um, and at that stage, so I was like, oh, maybe I'm in labour. So mm. she thought, yeah, sounds like you're in, you're in labour. Um, and so let, just let me, um, let me be. And so that was a Monday, Monday morning. And um, I kept, I was having some really strong pains. They were a bit irregular, but baby was posterior as well at this stage. So I thought, okay, um, it sounds like it's going to be another similar case to Charlotte's. Can I ask, did Louise ever focus on baby's position throughout pregnancy or were you worried about getting baby in an optimal position or anything? Yes, I was. Okay. I was doing a lot of spinning babies and things like that. So I was was a bit upset at at that point that baby hadn't turned and baby was still favouring posterior. Um, So... Uh, I, I, yeah, so when I was starting to have this labor, as you call it, um, then I was a bit upset that, I, yeah, baby was posterior and I thought I'm going to have another posterior labor and it's just going to end up, you know, in the same sort of situation and, um, and, and this and that. So that was, that was what was going through my mind at that point. Um, but I'd labored pretty much all day up until the night, um, can't quite recall what time it was, maybe like eight o'clock or something. Um, and I'd, I'd um, had the birth pool all set up because I thought this baby's going to come. And I jumped in the pool um, when the pains were getting pretty intense um, and they fizzled out. And that was it. Uh, Louise had said, okay, if it starts back up again, um, give me an a call and we'll come back out but her and Jen were going to go home so they headed off um and I had my birth team here I had my mum my sister 
and my daughter was going to be there as well um and my husband um and yeah so nothing really kind of <laughs> nothing eventuated um sent them all um actually my mum and my my sister stayed the night um because they from up in Sydney so um they went home the next morning but it all fizzled and I was so disappointed I thought I was going to have a baby but it, it actually continued quite similar to that nearly every night leading up to Alfie's birth so wow so how many weeks were you when this happened so 39 weeks 39 weeks yeah. and and then you went on another week with this sort of thing yeah. happening, and this another is your abdominal labor yeah yeah so I got to so Alfie um the so the morning of so the day before Alfie's Alfie's birth I should say um I went and had acupuncture so I had never had it before um I thought it was a bit of gobbledygook I just didn't really believe in it in a way um I knew some people had said it helped um so I wasn't sure whether it was that or they were actually going to go into labor but I was willing to try anything so I gave it a go um and then the next morning I woke up and I was having some cramps but it was wasn't something that was out of the ordinary for me in the last week I was already having cramps and things like that on and off so I was having some cramps managed to keep down some breakfast um, and then my husband suggests we go for a walk. So here's me with my big belly walking around the block and I said to, I think we only got, we got down the road and I said to my husband. Hey, it's me again. I wanted to let you know that I'll soon be opening my doors again to my online program, Journey into Motherhood. For pregnant and newborn mothers who want to feel calm, confident and connected in your journey into motherhood you'll have access to me as your doula to support you in your journey along with other like-minded mothers and i will support you to be your own advocate help you birth on your terms and create the postpartum of your dreams but spaces are limited so i can keep the circle safe and support you in the way you deserve and need so contact me today to find out more So we headed back, managed some lunch, and I laid on the floor. I thought to myself, if I'm, if I'm going to lie down, this is when it's going to fizzle, if it's going to fizzle. So I was lying down on the floor. And then um, it's really ramped up. So I did message Louise at this stage, and I said, look, they've picked up. Um, the pains are coming. And she said, look, give it in half an hour, an hour, if it's still happening I'll come out and see you I said okay no problem so I all of a sudden got this overwhelming urge to do a poo so I jumped up and went to the went to try to go to the toilet I managed to wee and as I stood up my water broke um it just I felt like this pop sort of sensation um higher up um I would explain it um and then I looked down and I could see um, uh, like a straw color, um, water. So it almost looked like we, um, but I knew it wasn't. And, um, it was, uh, what we call, um, thin, um, meconium. So it was baby poo. Um, so that was, that was when my waters had broke. And from then it just, the pains just ramped up excruciating. Um, I remember walking around, 
walking around um, the house um, and I was getting that overwhelming urge to push. Um, it was just coming and um, I'd messaged, well, when my waters had broken, I'd actually messaged, um, mess, messaged Louise and she said, I'm on my way. So I'm walking around the house and my, my husband's saying, whatever you do, don't push, don't push, wait till Louise gets here. I said, okay, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm saying. And she walks in and I'm sitting on the toilet and, and I said to her, look, I'm pushing. And she goes, that's okay. And she said, I, I can see it's all opening up down there. Why don't you jump into the pool? So my husband had started setting up the pool when I, when I had, um, my waters had broken. So um, the pool was just almost ready and I literally dived into that pool, um, dived straight in and um, I just felt very relaxed um, from then. Um, it just changed uh, the feeling so much. I've, I felt like I was in my own um kind of space and um I just felt really um comfortable and um you know the pains weren't as as bad in the water um so that was nice and uh Louise had um at this stage had checked my baby's heartbeat um you know a few times and then checked it again when I got into the pool and yeah she said everything was fine and um and I started pushing um, just went with my body and started pushing and then my student midwife Jen arrived and I had head on view at that stage so that was you know she, we could see a bit of they could say they could see a bit of head there and I think I pushed for all of maybe uh, 10 15 minutes if that and um, I yeah I could feel this gradually I could feel this kind of burning sensation down there. Um, and I remember saying to Louise, it's burning. She goes, yeah, it will do that. <laughs> I, f- I feel like you forget everything when you're in, when you're in labor, even as a midwife, I just like, you know, and I know it burns, it's the ring of fire kind of thing, but I just wasn't, um, wasn't really thinking at that stage. Um, it's more your kind of primal um your primal instincts and things like that your primal brain that's kind of speaking and nothing can prepare you until yeah. you go through no, an yeah. experience for the first time and then you're like yeah. oh <laughs> yeah, no matter what it is you're like oh yeah. I get it now that's right well with Charlotte like I didn't get that burning because she wasn't kind Coming of at that entrance yeah yeah so I'd um was like oh it's stinging it's stinging and I um I don't really remember it, I had to kind of, I've got a video of me mm. birthing. So I remember looking back and I popped my hand there and I remember like, I do remember kind of that, that realization of, Oh my God, I'm doing this. Like my baby's head is just there. Um, and I can feel baby's head. And it, I didn't kind of believe it was happening until I could actually feel, feel his head there. Um, and I could actually see in the video, I could see my, myself kind of those cogs kind of or the um turning or that that um that moment of realization that that snap kind of like oh wow I'm actually doing this so that was really cool and then um I kind of did some kind of counter pressure on baby's head um as I was 
um, kind of uh, just push gently pushing his head out. Um, so that kind of helped. And then I remember saying to Louise, because um, once his head was out, you know, when they kind of, they restitute, so they're turning and I could feel his little legs inside kicking away. And I said to her, he's struggling, he's struggling <laughs> because it really felt like that. And it's just an abnormal kind of feeling that I'd never had before. And I was kicking, kicking. Yes, I had that feeling too. It's yeah. really, really weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then she was just like, it's okay, it's fine, you're, you know, he's fine, you're fine. And that kind of, you know, set me back in my place. And then um, I don't really remember much kind of after that, um, but I'd pulled baby up to my chest um, after baby because, you know, um baby just kind of almost slid out after the head was out and pulled baby up to my chest and I just remember looking at poor Alfie and thinking to myself he's huge one um and two was I did it I actually birthed my baby from my vagina like I just couldn't I couldn't believe it and um I was actually talking yesterday about it to my partner and he my husband and he was like oh your first words were, I did it. I birthed my baby from my vagina. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, so sweet. <laughs> yeah. So um, thinking to myself, my God, this baby is a lot bigger than what Charlotte was. Mm. And uh, Louise had said, um, I remember her saying to me, that baby is at least five kilo. She said, That's my, mon- my money is this baby's at least five kilo or something. She said, and um, we're all laughing and um, giggling and crying. And um, I said to, uh, I started getting a bit shaky. Um, and I said to Lisa, oh, look, I just, we'll, we'll just get out now. So I think I didn't spend very long in the pool. Um, we jumped out and um, they'd set me up on the lounge. I was sitting on the lounge and um, I then started um wanted to birth the placenta wasn't ready um and I had a um trying trying to remember now I'd had a bit of a gush um uh placenta had come and then um I had a bit more of a gush and meanwhile while this was all going on Alfie um his color hadn't kind of he'd, he'd pinked up Breathing was quite rapid. Um, and so by this stage, um, uh, second midwife, um, Courtney, had turned up and she was giving um, him some oxygen. So just holding it over his face and every time they took it off, he would go pale and they put it back on, he'd look pink. And so um, I just remember looking over at, at him and I was – because I actually work with Courtney as well. I was, I had that reassurance of, I know he's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that was nice. And, and having that knowledge too was, um, would help in that, in that situation. Um, so it wasn't something that I was worried about. Do you know um, why the oxygen was helping um, versus not having that oxygen? Do you know what was happening there? Um, 
So I think it was probably he just, because he came out very quick, um, he probably just needed that little bit extra to kind of um, kind of stabilise his sort of breathing um, and just that, that transition that the babies do to kind of get rid of all that fluid mm. out of their lungs. So I think he just kind of did, did it, kind of came out really quickly so he didn't get that time to kind of squeeze mm. um, squeeze all that fluid out. Um, but I said to, I remember looking at Louise and I said, are we going to transfer? And she said, we'll just give it a second. I'll, I'll call the ambulance just in case. And um, if we have to call them off, I will. I said, okay. So I um, birthed my placenta at, um, during all that. And I said to her, like, I, I feel horrible. Like I don't feel well. Um, can I just have that? Sinto injection and so she gave that to me after because I had another gush after she delivered the placenta um and so she gave it to me uh, as my request and um yeah and then uh I just remember them saying look um yeah I think we're probably better off transferring the ambulances this and that and I just um was kind of in my own little world in a way um and ambulance came and they picked us up um, and, and took us there and, um, and, uh, Louise followed, um, myself and Alfie in the, in what, in the ambulance and, and, um, while Jen and Courtney cleaned up my house <laughs> and Carl followed in his car. So we went, we went to the local hospital. Um, so, um, we got there and, um, I remember standing up off, the stretcher and feeling very, very weak and dizzy. And I remember looking down and thinking, my God, that's a lot of blood. So at that stage is when I knew that I had had a hemorrhage. Um, I just knew that I'd lost too much blood. Um, I, both Alfie and I were then transferred up to the birthing unit and we were taken in there straight away. And everyone we met there was really lovely. And um, they, um, they weren't like, oh, this crazy home birthing, you know, mum or like I didn't kind of get those vibes. Um, they were really lovely. Um, and um, I guess that helps because, um, you know, having had, um, you know, a private midwife who was known to them as well, so that was good. Um, and then they'd um, uh, seen to Alfie pretty much straight away. He still had to have the oxygen um, they took him straight into special care and he had, he was put on um, uh, CPAP. So that's that um, continuous positive airway pressure. So they, they push, um, push uh, air, you know, in through, in through his um, nose um, to kind of keep all that, um, keep all the, you know, the, the lungs and all that open. So he was having, he was having that um, and he was on that for about, 48 hours um, as well as some, he had some antibiotics. So I remember them speaking to me about um, they weren't entirely sure whether or not it was, um, like I said, that, that TTN, so that um, transient um, tachypnea of the neonate, like whether it was that, um, that really quick um, birth that he just didn't, his body just didn't go um, to switch over from um, kind of that, uh, you know, inside of the womb underwater life to the outside breathing air. 
um, breathing oxygen. So, um, or um, that because he did have that baby poo, so that meconium, whether or not he did breathe in or aspirate that, um, that fluid. So they weren't entirely sure um, because they could still see a bit of fluid, um, you know, on his lungs through x-ray. So they had just treated him with antibiotics just in case. Um, and yeah, so he came good um, pretty much. Uh, he was on that CPAP. Sorry, he was on CPAP for 12 hours in the NICU for 48 hours. And in that time I had had, um, they found that I had had, um, lost a lot of, uh, lot of blood. Um, so going back to birthing, you know, I'd lost blood. They'd, um, uh, they'd stitch me up. I had a second degree tear, um, uh, very, uh, you know, very minimal. I did have some labial tears, um, that the doctor said could, may need stitching, may not need stitching. It was up to me. And I just said, I didn't want them to be stitched. Um, so uh, she she didn't do that. Uh, she just stitched the second degree. Um, and then I was given a whole lot of, um, uh, you know, medication, um, the Sintocinon, um, to kind of help contract my uterus and to help prevent um, further bleeding. Um, so that that all worked well. Um, they estimated about one litre um, of blood was lost, could have been more, um, not entirely sure. Um, but they'd um, kind of treated me as if I had a massive blood loss. So I did have a catheter in as well to kind of help contract that uterus um, to prevent the bleeding. Um, And then I was taken to the maternity ward and I was able to get up and down and see Alfie as much as I could. Um, I really kind of made that conscious effort, even though I didn't feel fantastic. Um, I didn't feel unstable on my feet. I just felt really out of breath. Um, and I got to, um, got to feed him. Um, I was um, giving him some expressed colostrum that I had had in the uh, freezer prior to. So I was doing some antenatal expressing um, around from 37, yeah, from 37 weeks. I was doing that, um, was able to give him that. And then I didn't breastfeed him until the next morning um uh that next morning I had some bloods taken as well and found out that um my hemoglobin so that marker that you get um for the amount of um uh so it's a particle in your in your blood that uh you know absorbs that oxygen um and I found that that was uh very low so 36 weeks I had my bloods and that was, uh, I think, I think it was what 130 in the 130 mark. And then, so 130. And then after the bleed, it was 116. And then that morning, so the next morning it came down to 79. So I did have like a mark, quite a, um, a drop. And um, they had suggested to me that maybe, um, I should have some uh, like a blood transfusion or an iron infusion. Um, And they highly recommended the blood transfusion um, given that um, I was symptomatic. So I did have that shortness of breath and I did feel very weak and I felt um, tired and a little bit dizzy. Um, And so 
you know, I, that afternoon I did end up having the blood transfusion because I had remember reading um, uh, in my studies as well that um, any sort of um, massive blood loss within um, the drop in hemoglobin um, can actually uh, lead to or um, kind of lead into postnatal depression. Um, and I really didn't want that again as well. And I just wanted to feel good and be able to look after my baby. Um, and so I just, I opted to have that, that transfusion. How did you, how long did it take um, for you to feel okay after that transfusion? Did you find that it was like, you know, immediately after that you started to feel well or did it take you some time? Um, I remember I had it pretty late at night. Um, they gave me the, I think the, the transfusion didn't finish like till midnight, but then straight after that I went to sleep and yeah, okay. I was attending to, um, to Alfie overnight, but I didn't actually get out of bed until the next morning. Um, and that's when I realized I feel a thousand times better. I felt so different. Um, I was able to walk around and I didn't feel that breathlessness or anything like that so it's like it's like a miracle juice overnight kind of thing that worked well yeah I found the same with my second um it's and it's a bit scary isn't it like to feel so out of breath and so weak and not able to you know kind of be your normal self yeah yeah Uh, was Alfie with you or yeah yeah so um that that night he came back to me. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So how long did you end up staying in hospital for? I was in hospital for three nights okay. in total. So um, two nights he was in special care and then that last night he was in with me and then I got discharged um, that night. So um, I think it was a sun- Sunday night. So before I had slept over, they had sent me home. Yeah. So – you headed home and how did your postpartum journey go compared to your first baby? Oh. And you're still in your postpartum, by the way. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's, it's been amazing. Um, came home um, and I spent one night just myself, um, Alfie and, and my husband, Carl, and, um, and then the next morning uh, Charlotte came, uh, mum brought Charlotte, down from her place and Charlotte met her little brother for the first time. So that was nice. Um, and, uh, all properly officially, cause she did meet him when we got transferred into hospital, but obviously they weren't allowed to come in. So it was a very quick high bye, but she got to meet him properly, uh, this, uh, in the morning. And, um, I, uh, just the weeks up, um, kind of, after that, up until now, so I'm about six. So I'm about six weeks now. Um, I did feel like a little bit tired, but nothing kind of um, drastic. Um, just um, was the my main concern, and because it was very the postpartum being very different to from you know vaginal birth to the, with Alfie to the Caesar with Charlotte was that I was getting a lot of um, heaviness uh, in you know in my kind of vagina like I felt very heavy down there which I didn't before with Charlotte and I'd also with the stitches and things like that um that was completely different to um having the stitches in the vagina versus on the abdomen um 
at least I was able to kind of sit and stand and things like that without that feeling like I'm going to be torn in half. So it was great. Um, but sitting down was very uncomfortable. So I often found that I was kind of leaning to one side a little bit more and I was using a lot of ice packs um, and just the bleeding. I didn't have um, bleeding uh, more much at all after Charlotte really compared to this one. Um, so I've, yeah, in the last couple of weeks, I've only just started to kind of stop, stop bleeding. So that's, that's been good. Um, yeah, breastfeeding, totally different ball game with this baby, you know, living in my own house and I know I have a lot more knowledge. Um, and also thanks to Louise, um, she's, she, you know, she's been great help too. She's also a lactation consultant. So she's been helping, helping me a lot. Um, Alfie does, you know, he does have a bit of a tongue tie and he's got um, a lip tie as well, but I've really been able to breastfeed him without any sort of shield or anything like that. Um, just a lot of kind of massaging his um, lip up to kind of help with that restriction um, and just making sure that his lips up when he's on the breast. Um, but being able to breastfeed him exclusively hasn't had any formula. So I'm quite lucky in the sense I've got a lot of breast milk um, almost to the point where he chokes. So I've got to lean back when I'm feeding because I, um, I do have a fast letdown. So, but he's um, very, very, very hungry, very hungry baby. Oh, I didn't <laughs> forget to mention he was 5.2 kilo. So, 5.2 kilos. So yeah. he was the five kilos that uh, Louise thought he was. And how did you feel when you, when you found out you birthed a 5.2 kilo baby out your vagina? I could not believe it. <laughs> Superwoman. I, yeah. I would um, just kind of comparing it to, um, you know, Charlotte, I just thought, wow, if Charlotte was in a really good position, she would have just flown out. If I was able to push him out, you know, what, she was one kilo lighter. I feel like she would have been able to fly out. So, so absolutely. Um, and what was it? How long were you in labor with Alfie versus with oh, Charlotte? Do you remember? Um, I would say maybe I was an hour with, with Alfie versus maybe four to five hours with Charlotte. With Charlotte, I had a, 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 a longer, um, that push, that pushing phase, mm. that second stage was a lot longer than the first stage. And then you had a lot of like a week's long predominant labor with Alfie. Yeah. And they, they, I've heard a lot of stories where, women are in predominant labor and then when they do go on the labor the actual labor and birth is like so much quicker yeah yeah so I think that was a lot had a lot to do with it as well Mm. um but um yeah it definitely felt like I like it came on very quick so I almost felt like I got hit by a bus Mm. (laughs) although in saying that like I love labor and you know I love birth and but don't ask me to be pregnant (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you on that one (laughs) do you have any advice or tips that you want to you know shout out to the listeners who are thinking about planning a a VBAC home birth or are currently pregnant and going through the journey yeah um so definitely continuative midwifery care that's like the gold standard of care so um I would definitely try and seek out whether it's um, you know, MGP or um, a private midwife, um, it's really good. Um, if you can't 
get that, then maybe finding someone um, that is, uh, you know, VBAC friendly, um, you know, whether you want to go with an obstetrician or, um, you know, midwifery clinic um, at the hospital that's um, VBAC friendly. Um, or if you're looking to go down, um, you know, that, that, you know, free birthing um, pathway, finding someone that, that knows a lot about um, like doulas that know a lot about VBACs or have mm. been to support VBACs. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on and sharing your birth stories. Um, I know so many women are going to be inspired because we often hear about these, you know, your baby's too big, your baby's getting to four kilos. We should be looking at having cesarean. It's not going to happen. You you know, all of these stories, I'm sure you've probably seen them in the VBAC groups. Um, So to hear you delivering of, you know, and you're not a big person either. You're quite small woman. Yes. Um, I am quite thin I'm Mm -hmm. tall I'm quite thin I'm about 170 centimeters and I'm pre-pregnancy 65 kilo so So yeah you're very petite woman (laughs) and yes if you can do it then you know it gives that inspiration and it shows women because we don't hear these stories we think there's something like wrong with us you know why are we having a big baby or there must be something wrong with us and you know women have been doing it for such long periods of time and and we will continue to do it so thank you very much for sharing your story that's all right not a problem hey me again i just wanted to let you know that i've just created a brand new facebook group called vbac home birth support group where you can connect with other like-minded mothers who are looking to have a vbac home birth as well you can find the link in the show notes and i look forward to seeing you there Thank you so much for listening to the VBAC Home Birth Stories podcast. I hope that this episode has helped you take another step to finding your voice and confidence in your VBAC journey. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a second to rate and review. Each review helps us to help more women to find out more about VBAC Home Birth, just like you. Don't forget to take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram stories and tag me at the Motherhood Circle. See you next week.